0: And as you are able to the reading of the gospel from Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison? and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. And that you be seated. Honestly, outside of church settings, the words king or kingdom aren't really part of my everyday vocabulary. Unless maybe if Beyonce is involved? She recently signed on to be in the new Lion King movie, and this was news, right? The Disney's Lion King is probably the main influence for me in my life growing up thinking about kings and kingdoms. And so when I think of kingdoms, I can't help but remember Mufasa sitting on a cliff with his son Simba as a young lion cub and looking out over the savannah. and I can still hear James Earl Jones's voice saying, "Look, Simba, everything the light touches is our kingdom." It is my classic memory of kingdoms and kings, and it involves lions. As a young kid growing up in our country, the Lion King was really the best way I could understand king and kingdom language, because apart from Lion King, the only thing I knew about kings was that on the 4th of July, we celebrate not having a king anymore. And so growing up in the church, it's always kind of a strange thing when us as Americans, with our presidents and our democracy, start talking about Jesus as king. Because... The truth is, we're not celebrating Christ the head of state Sunday, or Jesus the ruler of the savannah Sunday, although that would be fun, or Christ the political leader Sunday. Today is Christ the king Sunday. And in our world, in our lives, what on earth does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is our king? I think the disciples listening to Jesus teach in parables were wondering the same thing. And our gospel text from Matthew is just that, another parable, another illustration that Jesus uses to get the listeners to think, to open their minds, to stir them, as Paul says in the Ephesians letter, to give them wisdom and revelation. And I'll just say it right now, this parable definitely gets me thinking. Jesus talking about angels and the devil and eternal fire and punishment, yeah, that stirs a little bit of something in me. But Jesus is trying to open his disciples' minds and our minds to the truth that Christ as king is probably not what they're expecting. The disciples are expecting a king like a real king. They're expecting someone to come in like the ancient King David to be their shepherd and their prince, to be their political leader, to be their head of state. And I don't think that's how most of us imagine Christ as king today. And It might be that you don't imagine Jesus as king or as ruler at all. Maybe these kinds of attributes don't help you in understanding your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's easier to think of Jesus as king over our hearts and our prayers, our shepherd in times of trouble. And maybe we're even okay with this idea of Jesus as king, but in like the far off end of days, end of time, Jesus comes again and God's kingdom has fully broken into this world and There's no more tears or need, and however it's going to be, it's going to be complete. That's okay to talk about Christ the King then. And so I think that we struggle with talking about Christ the King for us right now, today. Because we don't have kings, we have presidents, and imagining Jesus in that role, although it might be comforting, isn't really what Jesus is talking about. And honestly, I think our inexperience with kings makes a day like today in our church, a little difficult to understand. Especially when Jesus is talking about his kingship and kingdom as a parable. And he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. For us, that seems a little awkward. But for the disciples, this is good news. This is what they've been waiting for. Jesus is talking about glory and thrones and nations. They've been ready. They've been putting up with some of his storytelling and feeding all these people, and now it's time for Jesus to step up as king. But the rest of the parable isn't what the disciples were expecting. And the king will say to those at his right hand, you are blessed because you fed me and you gave me something to drink, you clothed me and welcomed me, you visited me and cared for me, not because any of these subjects did these things for the king himself, but because they served the least of these. They served those in need. They served those who were hungry and thirsty and naked and outcast. They served those who were sick and imprisoned. That's how they served their king. And the disciples listening were probably thinking through every person that they have ever helped, that they have fed, that they have cared for, maybe wondering what Jesus is getting at with this separation between sheep and goats. And then I wonder if before Jesus even begins to speak about those on the left, if the disciples started thinking about all the people they didn't or couldn't serve. Truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. This was not the throne of glory the disciples were expecting. They weren't expecting to be called to participate in this new kingdom as servants to the least of these. They expected power and authority and a new world order, not that they would be serving on the bottom of that order. Just as Jesus began the parable with familiar and empowering words of glory he ends them with a promise eternal life for the righteous and eternal punishment for those who fail a parable that flips our expectations the disciples were ready to be at the right and left hand of Jesus the king to share in his power and authority over the nations and instead are left wondering whether they are sheep or goats whatever they will know whether they will receive life or punishment Jesus flips the script. He flips it on the disciples who are waiting for their head of state, Messiah, to come and lead them back into the glory days of Israel. And maybe Jesus is flipping the script for us too. When Jesus talks about kingship and the kingdom in this parable, his throne of glory is not one of power, it's not one of majority, it's not one of conquering or force. Christ's kingdom is one built on care for the least of these. And this expectation overthrowing Jesus' parable is one that challenges us to recognize that maybe we're not the good subjects we try to be. In the Catholic tradition, our text from Matthew is referred to as the acts of mercy. To feed and give drink, to clothe and to welcome, to visit and care for. This is the mercy that God calls us to share. And I can tell you, I've done each of these. I've helped to feed someone who was hungry, I've helped to give water to someone who was thirsty, I have donated clothes, I have worked for Welcome, for immigrants and strangers, I have visited people in prison, I have cared for those who are in the hospital, and just as I can think of all the ways in which I have fulfilled these acts of mercy, I can tell you twice as many, three times as many, more times than I can count as many where I haven't. Times when physically I couldn't, when the funds weren't there to give, when the time wasn't there to share, when my abilities didn't meet the needs. And there are more times than I can count where ability had nothing to do with it. Those times when I just didn't. And I'll tell you, these words from Jesus hit me hard, because the truth is, there will always be those who are the least of these who I miss, who we miss. And that's the challenge Jesus is giving us and giving to disciples a challenge of our own self-righteousness. We are not so high and mighty, and yes, we participate in Jesus' kingdom as the body of Christ, but we can't live up to Jesus' expectations on our own. And even in opportunities where we can serve our king this way, when we are not limited by funds or time or ability, we still choose to not recognize the least of those among us. This parable pushes us to wonder. Are we living like Jesus is our king right now, today? Or are we living like Jesus is just the king of our hearts and our prayers, a helpful reminder of God's love for us? These words from Jesus, this parable, it flips our expectations, it challenges us, it pushes us, just as it did disciples when they first heard it. And I think if we only focus on the separating, if we only focus on whether or not we are sheep or goats, We're not allowing this parable to do what parables do, to give us wisdom and revelation. This parable flips our expectations. It gets us thinking about God's kingdom, this kingdom that first began in Jesus' baptism and continues to break into this world. Christ the King didn't come as a conqueror or a political leader, but as a baby, as the Son of God on a cross for the sin of his subjects. And this Son of God, this Christ the King, challenges us and invites us to participate in this kingdom. And in this challenge, we fail to live up to the expectations because the only thing righteous about us is Jesus. On that cross, Jesus died for the sin of his subjects, for our sin, and Jesus rises from the dead to make us righteous, to challenge us to serve with the same love and mercy and hope that we are given. Jesus pushes us. This son of God, this king of kings, pushing us to participate in this kingdom on earth, both here and not yet, and pushes us to share the love that we are given to serve our king of kings by serving the least of these. This is the language our king speaks. This is the kingdom Christ the king is bringing, not of political power, Beyonce, or Disney, but a kingdom of love for those who are hungry, a kingdom of mercy for those who are outcast. A kingdom of hope and new life for each and every one of us. Thanks be to God. Amen.